Hello and welcome to the Talk Nerds Me podcast. In this episode, we meet with Dallin Hardy to discuss broad-spectrum micronutrient therapy in healthcare. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, my name is Dr. Freddy's Garcia, and this is the Talk Neuro to Me podcast. Today, we're joined by Dallin Hardy, who is Director of Product Development at Hardy Nutritionals. He has a bachelor's degree in biochemistry and a master's degree in food sciences with an emphasis on nutrition. Today, we're going to be discussing broad-spectrum micronutrient therapy in healthcare. Dallin, are you there? I'm here, live and well. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, discussing this topic. This is going to be fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. So let's get right into it. I'd like to jump right into it. Um, First of all, what are micronutrients? What are we talking about? What is this? Yeah, so this is is differentiating from macronutrients, which are water, carbohydrates, fats, proteins. We're talking about micronutrients. There's, There's a lot of them. They're the vitamins and minerals that are known to be essential for human health. Without them, we get overt clinically clinical manifestations of deficiency disease and so you know in the end of the 1800s and early half of the 1900s uh, most of the discovery of these essential nutrients and uh, just small molecules the body needs in small quantities but they're definitely essential so that's that's where micronutrients differ, differ from the macronutrients and, and how important they are to the to the body's physiology because we're going to be talking about these formulas, you know, micronutrient formula. You don't hear that word thrown around uh, too often. But uh, let's speaking of formulas, uh, there's a formula uh, used uh, in several products that you guys develop, and uh, one that Kerakinsuit supports is a great believer in is called NeuroSpectrum 360. So where did this formula come from? Yeah, this this formula is is um, the best formula we have. Really, it's the culmination of of David Hardy, the formulator's experience, lifetime of experience in animal and human nutrition, and uh, and it's got a lot of research on that formula now too. So, the it really David Hardy was in animal nutrition uh, before he was in human nutrition, and for for something like twenty years, he was formulating animal feed, and in the animal industry, it's David would always say this is the best place to develop something because. You can experiment. The animals are just in pens, and they only eat what you give them. And ethically, it's a little little easier to optimize health. And, and furthermore, he'd always say, you know, the incentives are right in the animal industry. You you, the money incentives are to keep the vet away, keep mm-hmm. the animals healthy. Whereas for humans, uh, he would always say the incentives are backwards. We only really talk about health with humans when they're sick. Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> And so with animals, the incentives are right. And so there was a real drive in that industry to optimize the health of the animals, um, get them ticking and bopping on every physiological front. And, um, and that, it, you know, he took that experience, formulating feed for the animals, which is really, you know, what came out of that was comprehensive broad spectrum. We're talking about micronutrient supplementation on top of the, you know, the base feed, which would be corn or soy based, you know, depending on the animal. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, you know, grain-based pulse crops, and the and then just supplement you know optimal levels of these micronutrients, which which uh, is pretty comprehensive uh, and pretty large quantities of these micronutrients to get the optimal health in these animals. And uh, he brought when he brought that experience to human nutrition, he did an extensive literature review, um, just 
stacks and stacks of studies on all the different nutrients and um, and the combination of those two things um, you know it went into the formulation uh, to get the nutrient ratios right and quantities right and and what nutrients to to include and uh, that's that's really where it came from you know I, I just envisioned David Hardy like pouring over all these uh, research articles to try to find tweak this formula to make it as as good as he as he could how long did it take for him to arrive to what is the current formula that, that is uh, so popular right now goodness yeah it's been it's been really 20 years in the making and uh, and there's been been tweaks in the later years but the bulk of the work like I say um, was you know that transition from animal to human nutrition and uh, he really had a conceptually and and um, and a lot of the formula you know internutrient balance stuff he had from animal nutrition already and then it took it took a good good couple of years to to round out a, a substantially similar formula to what it has it is now and then over the years of research and and uh, development and more things you know more in, various types of ingredients becoming available as the industry progresses for human supplementation. Uh, we can get better and better a little bit over the years. But yeah, the culmination of it, it's, it's really a 20-year process, uh, but the bulk of the work was done some 20 years ago. Well, we appreciate him doing the work. So this formula, Neurospectrum 360, it's a micronutrient formula, but what does that really mean? And, and why not can it, like, you know, when people think about like vitamins or other types of pills that they could take to try to be healthier or achieve health, why not like a one pill a day multivitamin? Like, isn't that the same thing? What's different? What are, what's what's really the difference between this formula and you know the one a day? Yeah, that, that's a it's a really good question. And actually, um, I've I've talked to a lot of clinicians who who come with the paradigm of a, a you know it's good to have it's a good base in any therapeutic protocol to have. A good multivitamin in there, but this is this is a little bit different. Like you say, um, when you look at the label, you see vitamins and minerals. Okay, what's the difference? But so the comprehensive nature is one thing. I've talked a little bit about that. That's the broad spectrum concept where we're hitting all the essential micronutrients. But then there's also other things that differentiate it from most multivitamins out there, and that's a form, the forms of the nutrients, bioavailable and effective. Um, and the balance, uh, and this is a big one, the, the ratios between the nutrients, the quantities of nutrients. And then there's another thing, too, that really sets it apart, and it, this has really set it apart in research because you can show efficacy as a, as a monotherapy with this formula um, in, in research, and that's therapeutic dosing. So when we're differentiating from a one-a-day multivitamin, we want to talk about, okay, um, how are we optimizing health, not just sort of getting the minimum right and mm -hmm. so that's that's the concept there well it's kind of like when you look at the um i think we're going to talk about this a little bit later but when you look at those labels right and you say like oh, all these minerals and, and vitamins that you need and you see the percentages and you go all right well like this is what i need to be healthy right and yeah that's, a, that's, that's really not good, really the case right that's a really good point as a food scientist this this uh, and with an emphasis in nutrition i sort of have a unique perspective on this and i i i um you know, I've uh, I'm familiar with how the big companies put together their labels, right? The the mm -hmm. General Mills and the you know when you're talking about foodstuffs, and then when you're talking about supplements, the 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 big supplement companies, they um, it looks good to have the you know the supplement facts 
part of the label uh, have nice clean percentages on it, right? So you've got this percent daily value column, and then you've got the milligram quantity column. It's nice to have just nice even numbers there. And there's a tendency in the industry to formulate to that. You formulate to make the label look good. Well, this product is totally disregards that, really. What what the formulation was built off of is, is the body, you know, not the labeling laws, right? So we're not looking for nice even percentages. We're not looking for for something that looks good on the label. We're, we're looking for something that's efficacious, where the internutrient ratios are something that's going to be good for the body. And that ends up putting the the percentages on the label sort of all over the all over the place. So when it comes to you know again the, the one pill a day and, and talking about therapeutic dosing, why is it difficult to achieve? Uh, I guess another way, uh, like a significant movement towards health with with these one a days. Like what are, what are they putting in there compared to you guys? I guess. Yeah, a part of it's uh, what they're putting in there. Like I say, so you've got. So let's talk about the minerals specifically because it, it especially applies to minerals. You've got the rock form of minerals, mostly oxides and rocks. Um, and, uh, and then you've got the plant form of minerals. And plants, the minerals have extracted, you know, there's, there's from the soil ions, plant ions. And then they organify it. So there's a big carbon structure that carries that ion. And that, that releases, you know, a mineral ion with a positive charge counterbalanced by this negative charged uh, organic carrier molecule is going to, you know, this is the concept of chelation um, and um, or, or ligand, you know, ligand to the, to the ion. And that um, frees up that mineral for all its reduction and oxidation capacities, all its functions in the body. And, uh, and you know, the, it just makes it way more bioavailable, bioavailable way more soluble. Um, you know, in, in the stomach, the stomach acid is what really, when you take a, a rock form of a, of a mineral, you supplement with that, it really re relies on the stomach acid to eat away at, at that rock and, and release some of the mineral. But if you, if you can, uh, if you can make it, uh, more bioavailable right from the up front, then you can get a lot more out of that. But that's bulky, right? Cause you've got to take a, a really compact oxide and you've got to, combine it, instead take that ion off and combine it with a really complex, much larger carbon structure. And that um, increases the bulk and makes, it, it really forces the fact that a one-a-day multivitamin is not going to have, um, it, it's a trade-off there. They, they can have effective forms of minerals and not very much quantity or no, no therapeutic quantity, or they can have ineffective forms and make the label look like there's a lot of quantity in there. But you really can't win with bioavailability in a one-a-day multi. Right. Yeah. And then actually, you, you, since you're talking a lot about chelation, you guys have your own process for chelation, right? It's kind of one of your trade secrets. Yeah, it is. And uh, it's a proprietary thing, and it's unique. Uh, we don't see it see it elsewhere. And uh, and we we have unique uh, chelating uh, complex of chelating molecules that we use and a unique process of, of chelating all those minerals. It's a lot of minerals to chelate. And um, and a complex way to do it, and and uh, we're trying to get as close as we can to to nature. Obviously, we manufacture it, but uh, but I think the results speak for themselves. Right, and and they do in this scenario. 
So let, let's bring it back to the, the formula in Neurospectrum 360. What is the actual goal of this formula when this is created? Like, what, what are you guys trying to achieve with this? Yeah, with the broad spectrum approach, we want to make sure there are no, no holes, right? So if um, you could have a more targeted therapy that, that might miss something. And what we want, especially when we're targeting the, the neurological system, which is is um, sort of high level functioning in in the body. Mm-hmm. We want comprehensive health across the board. We don't want to we don't want to leave any any holes. And uh, you know, in science, this might be called Liebig's law of the minimum. Um, the you know, it's the you you can optimize all sorts of things, but it's the one thing that is the least optimized that is the limiting factor that limits the success of all the rest, right? And it, because physiology and metabolic pathways are so interconnected, um, this Liebig's law of the minimum really applies uh, in that sense. You, you, you're going to have limiting nutrients. Um, it might be different for different people, but when you're formulating for, for this, this variance in the population, you want to cover all your bases. You want to be comprehensive. That's broad, broad spectrum. And you want to be therapeutic in dose, so that um, you raise the limiting factors from where they were before, you raise that up, and the, and the physiologically limiting factors are now less, uh, they're, they're now raised. You've raised the minimum uh, potential for health. That's the idea. All right, makes a lot of sense. So. If you look at the formula, if you look at the side of the bottle and the formulas you guys are creating, you know, it's a, it's a big list. It's very comprehensive. Um, and, you know, I have a master's degree in nutrition, so I love nutrition. And when I show this formula to a lot other people, because I believe it, they'll always say, hey, well, what about this? What about this? So let's talk about some of the ingredients in there. Um, and one that actually comes to mind is people look at the magnesium and say, whoa, what's going on? There's, there's so much magnesium in here. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, they look at it, several of them, and they're like, "Wow, there's a lot in there." So let's let's talk about a couple of magnesium first. Um, this one, so uh, magnesium is is so important in the body, and and just in studies of magnesium alone, there's they they can show efficacy. Mm-hmm. Just with this nutrient, it seems it appears to be a limiting one for a lot of people. Um, so depression, anxiety. There's a calming effect. There's a mood st- stabilizing effect. Also, energy. Um, this is something, you know, everyone memorizes going through med school, the, the Krebs cycle, citric acid cycle, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, the, it's the energy hub of the cell. And we talk about the ATP that's produced, you know, 36 ATP out of every glucose, right, or whatever. And, and the, uh, that adenosine triphosphate, it actually is not that stable a molecule. It wants to hydrolyze, right, from, from triphosphate to diphosphate mm-hmm. and even down to monophosphate. Um, and that's where that, that bond that's holding the energy, it releases the energy and, and you know, and that's where you get your mitochondrial function coming from is this ATP. But what stabilizes it in the cytosol and as, as the ATP is moving around, um, this bond, this phosphate bond that wants to hydrolyze, well, that ATP wraps around the oxygens on the sides of those inorganic phosphates. If you can, I, I'm, as a biochemist, I just picture this all in my head. And I, I put, it, it wraps around a magnesium, which is a positive charge, and it balances out those negative charges, stabilizes ATP. Um, that's, it's, it's really important. Now, as far as people being concerned about it, this is, you know, the Institute of Medicine 
sets intake levels on the low end and the high end. And the, the percent daily values on the label are based on the low end. So there's a minimum that majority of the population would need to get to just stave off a nutrition nutrient deficiency disease. And these are the recommended dietary allowances that you're supposed to get every day from your diet. And actually, um, from the Surgeon General's reports in the, in the United States, they come out every, every 10 years or so. Uh, the latest one is just like the other ones have been in recent years. Uh, that most, a lot of people for a lot of the nutrients, the micronutrients, on average are getting daily less than the recommended amount that's, re, that's <laughs> supposed to be just enough to, to avoid overt nutri nutrient deficiency diseases. And so that, uh, that's scary in and of itself. Um, but uh, then on the high end, there's, there's this whole therapeutic range where once you're above the minimum, then you can start optimizing health up to a certain point of toxicity, right? And so the Institute of Medicine has set these tolerable upper intake levels where, um, you know, they define that term as we're, uh, they're extrapolating, estimated from, uh, from all the literature they review for, the, for this, they estimate this is the level, the tolerable upper intake level is the level you should be able to take of this nutrient, this micronutrient, every day for a lifetime. It should be safe. It should be just fine. It's below the tox below all the known toxicities. Well, for magnesium, um, and this goes back to the balance thing, the, it, not just comprehensive but balanced um, the uh, in nutrient ratios, magnesium's uh, limiting adverse event, you might say. So the only the, the first toxicity that shows up, actually it's the only toxicity for a long ways dose-wise, um, is diarrhea. You take magnesium alone and it loosens the stool. And, uh, and so the Institute, Institute of Medicine sets this tolerable upper intake level based on that. Um, but in, and, and it's, that tolerable upper intake level is actually exceeded in the Neurospectrum 360 formula. But it doesn't cause diarrhea for almost anyone. Yeah, it's so, just so extremely it well that? tolerated. And, uh, and the reason is balance. If, and and the, in this particular case, the main uh, counterbalance for that is calcium. If you just supplement calcium at the level that's in the neurospectrum formula, you'll induce constipation, actually. Hmm. And, uh, and it's that balance between those nutrients that makes it bowel-tolerated. Uh, so it's really a beautiful thing when you look at the synergy across the different nutrients. Well, I think that's the word there. The, the synergy in your guys' formula is what kind of makes it a, a, beautiful and a beautiful and effective thing. And I think that's what people don't see at the first glance, uh, all the work that you guys have put into creating such a uh, powerful nutritional product for clinicians to use with their patients, right? That synergy of the formula itself. But let, let's keep going. There's another one that when I show people the, the label, they go, hold on, what about this? And the other one is the ginkgo, the ginkgo biloba. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's, a, it's an herb. And uh, so it's not, it's not, and it's in a proprietary one. So this isn't one of the essential micronutrients. Um, and the idea there, and we just have a, a very minimal dose of that, just enough to enhance capillary action. So ginkgo biloba can thin blood just a little bit. And we all know that nutrient exchange, oxygen exchange, it's all um, really at the capillary level where it's got, got the most contact with the tissues, where a lot of this mm -hmm. is happening. And um, and so to increase the perfusion of these of these tissues uh, of the body um, is really important for nutrient delivery and oxygen delivery. And uh, so ginkgo has the capacity to do that. And again, you want to have a balanced thing, right? So you, someone doesn't 
bleed to death if they if they get cut, right? You can't thin blood forever. Um, but this is it, all within normal ranges. If you're to do blood tests, this you, you wouldn't be outside of the normal ranges here. It's a it's just a tiny dose, and it's compensated for by the essential nutrient vitamin K in the formula, uh-huh. which uh, which is one of the uh, one of the important factors in the clotting cascade. So so it's really safe, um, but the idea is again we're trying to get in, into the, the body with bioavailability and then into the tissues with perfusion. Right, and but because of the ginkgo, I think the recommendation always been uh, to monitor if the if the patient is on blood thinning medications. Is that correct? Yeah, and the dose may need to be adjusted slightly um, in this case. And and this is actually a good point. It's this product is so. So safe. It's got multiple safety studies. It's been extensively researched, and um, and like I say, like the only place that it's beyond known tolerable intake levels is this magnesium, which I've already explained. Um, so the uh, it's incredibly safe, and 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 where where you're going to see problems, if any, with this is most likely with medications. So in, in the case of ginkgo with blood thinning medications. There are other medication interactions that are bound to occur with a product that has has therapeutic, any nutritional product that has therapeutic efficacy, right, is going to have that capability to interact with with drugs. And this one definitely does. And that's really where the danger comes in, not because the nutrients are dangerous, but because in interaction with these these really powerful pharmaceuticals is where you'll see, you know, the potentiation um or increased potential for for problems from those substances, those foreign substances. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, another one that I see, and I think it freaks people out because when they look at the percentage numbers, right? So it kind of makes us talk about the the labels and the minimums for avoiding nutritional uh, deficiencies. But B12, give us a scoop on that. Oh yeah, vitamin B12. It's really scary. <laughs> it really scares people because the percent daily value is is way high. And remember that the 100% daily value is just what the Institute of Medicine thinks is enough to keep you away from a deficiency disease, okay? So in the case of B12, that's a form of anemia called megaloblastic anemia. So where your red blood, your blood cells don't uh, don't form correctly because you need this for that, okay? So then um, this this nutrient, um, where's the, the question becomes, so okay, so we're well over this thousands of percent we're obviously well over that okay so we're good we're, we're safe in terms of nutrient deficiency where's the toxicity is should be the other question right um, just the number the percent is not what's really in question that what's in question is how big is that range is there is there a, some toxicity on the upper end right mm-hmm. and turns out for this particular nutrient uh, it's funny that, that you know the percentage makes people concerned about it but there is no cause for concern. The uh, all the Institute of Medicine reviews on this one show no toxicity at all. So there's actually no tolerable upper intake level set. So in terms of safety, um, there's no limit. You can take all you want of this. If you take extra, you just just pee it out. And and this this can be uh, especially scary, I guess, for people when it shows up in blood tests, right? So um, when a doctor draws blood, sends it off to the lab. Um, the test will come back with uh, with flags for anything that's outside of the normal range. So mm-hmm. that b- brings up the question: Well, how do they set these normal ranges? Why well, the the normal blood range for vitamin B12 is not the uh, is not set off of people who are heavily supplementing. 
So even though there's no toxicity for this nutrient, it'll get, you know, when the lab tests get sent back to the clinician, it'll be flagged as outside of the normal range, even though there's no toxicity. But just because it's outside of the range that most people have in their blood, then these are unsupplemented, primarily unsupplemented people that the ranges are built around. So um, so people get concerned, oh my goodness, my blood test came back and this is, this is too high. No, uh, the lab test doesn't say that. It just says it's outside the normal range. <laughs> Does that mean too high? In some cases, for certain tests in the blood test, it might. For B12, it doesn't. All that means is you're supplementing more than you'd normally get in a normal diet, hence the normal, it's outside the normal range. That's all that means, it's perfectly safe. But yeah, it, and it's, um, there's a reason that there's that much in there, you know. Um, B12's absorption is really heavily dependent on stomach acid. Uh, some people produce less stomach acid. Um, it's, a, it's a very involved absorption process. And, um, and so what we've done is we put enough in there for the people that have a really hard time getting this vitamin, they're going to get it. They're going to get enough that they're going to get enough absorbed that it'll 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 keep them away from overt overt deficiency. And it takes a lot for those people that have that have poor stomach acid production, low intrinsic factor, and so on and so forth, which is involved for B12 absorption. But on the other end, for those that actually could absorb could do with less, there's no loss because it's perfectly safe to take to take those levels. And um, and so you know that's that's the uh, it, it is one that people people bring up a lot. Well, I think and it's just because the number's so big. You know, yeah, they're, it's so they're like, funny. They're like Hold on, it, that's way over a hundred. Does it need to have that much? <laughs> right. And for some people, it definitely does. And, um, and that's the point, right? That's the point. Yep. Point. And for the others, it, it really doesn't matter if your blood test is outside of the normal range on that one. There's no toxicity known for that nutrient. Well, thank you for explaining that, Dallin. Hey, let's take a, let's take a, a, a small change of direction. I want to ask you this. Sure. Um, so in the clinical nutrition world, I often see these really passionate conversations. And there will be people discussing, you know, a single nutrient theory versus complexes or formulations. Can you tell me more about that? Like, what is that all about? And where does each of those um, approaches have its role in clinical nutrition work with patients? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I, I've I've seen some of these debates too, and for me, there's no real debate. Like they're not mutually exclusive. They're not really competing. And I think, like you said at the end of the question, they do each have their place. Um, and uh, we've already talked about, or I've t I've talked about the the importance of a broad spectrum approach when it comes to essential micronutrients um, to make sure there's no limiting factors in the physiology, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and for a lot of people, I think clinically where it has its place is um, that has its place sort of as a first line of defense, right? And for a lot of people, if that's uh, sufficient, then that's really slick for the for the patient. It's just a one-stop shop, right? It's uh, simple in terms of uh, and the burden on them at home, right? Just to take one thing uh, that's comprehensive, that's balanced. And uh, if they can get results from that, then that's... That's ideal, but is it a panacea? No. Are there imbalances, especially in the in the short to medium term, where someone is is out of balance in the between a couple of nutrients, such that you know even a even a balanced formula such as the Neurospectrum 360 is not is not going to quickly remedy that? Yes, there definitely are. Um, there's some really obvious ones like um, 
Iron is one. Iron deficiency anemia. A pregnant woman is low in iron. Uh, Neurospectrum 360's got a, a, you know, sort of a maintenance dose of iron in there, but it's it's not gonna, it, it's not gonna rapidly improve iron status. So especially in the short term, where you want to make uh, rapid clinical changes, mm-hmm. wherever I think wherever the broad spectrum approach is not sufficient, that's where you know single nutrient approaches is not only a good idea but necessary it's indicated it's warranted and uh, and there are a lot of different examples I you know I published the, the iron one there there are a lot of others that I could point to among the vitamins and the minerals where uh, clinicians have reported effect there's there's studies on those nutrients and and adding them can be beneficial but uh, where it's not necessary um, then it's not necessary and it's easier for the clinician and the patient to to not do that, to not go there if it's not necessary. Great. So, you know, my hope is that a lot of clinicians are going to listen to this podcast and go, you know, I should really exploring, you know, a good micronutrient formulation such as what you guys have created and is found in Neurospectrum 360 and start leveraging that with their patients. What what type of guidelines can you give those clinicians who are now contemplating that and saying, you know what, I, I don't have this approach, I should really be considering it. What would you tell them? Yeah, I would say you just you just got to try it, and and there's enough research on this product. There's some really clear indications um, for it, and so try it in those settings, and uh, and apply it, and go from there and see what it can do for your practice. Um, I could tell you, I could tell you stories about about clinicians that are using this formula, um, well trained in single nutrient approaches, mm-hmm. and and the transition to integrating the broad spectrum approach as sort of a base, a foundation for the practice, and and using their single nutrient magic on top of that has really boosted their practice, got them better results, more, um, more referrals. They got, they got all this successful success. That's breeding, breeding referrals word of mouth from their, from their, you know, patients that are better going and telling all their friends where they got better and how they got better and, and sending them to those, those practices. And there's a word you said in there, and this is actually the, the way I always viewed this when I hear people having these sequence, you know, single nutrient versus complex formulations. And, and you're right, in my mind that they're not exclusive, but you said it's like a foundation or a basis. In, in my mind, I always thought a good micronutrient complex or formulation should be the foundation uh, for working with your patients. From there, you get to like very, uh, with good training, know exactly where you want to make small changes, gentle changes, and see how the patient's physiology responds. Um, I've never been one to think that using um, individual nutrients, just like drugs, was the answer. That seems, to me, it seems like our physiology is way too complex. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's, that's totally, totally me too. Like, as a you know biochemist, I look at you, you go to any biochemistry department you know where I spent four years of my life in the in the dark halls of the science building on campus, right? And and they've got these metabolic maps up on the wall, just big posters of you start with substrate and then you pass it through different enzymes. Um, those enzymes have micronutrient cofactors that are doing the work, um, and then you get intermediates all along these metabolic pathways. And the metabolic pathways are in, interconnected. You've got intermediates in one pathway that transition to another path, pathway. And then, you know, that's for the production. You got all the way through production to the production of, a, of something the body needs, say a neurotransmitter. You've got to take the substrate, probably an amino acid, and trans, transform it um, into the neurotransmitter. 
modified amino acid, and then you've got the breakdown on the back end, and it's all this long pathway, and it's a, it becomes a web because the intermediates are interconnected, and um, and and that like how how can I as a biochemist <laughs> take that picture and then take bring that to clinical practice and then apply a single nutrient? It it really only you know like I say like you said it's not um, it's not one or the other single nutrient or complex, but complex you know has got to be the basis because of because of the physiology and the single nutrient has got to be the therapy for a severe imbalance especially short term like that's that's what that what that's what makes clinically applicable or makes most clinical sense mm-hmm. when i think of those metabolic maps that i studied all through my biochem you know career right, no, so. I, I completely agree with you hey you mentioned something you mentioned that there's research in support of uh specifically this formulation I would love to hear more about that because I got to tell you, if you look at a lot of the supplements out there, a lot of the nutritional products, and you look up the formulations and you look at the research, and there is not a zero zilch. And the fact that you guys actually have some support is honestly amazing. Tell me more. It's it's <laughs> yeah, amazing is almost an understatement. There, the amount of research that's been done on this formulation and the quality of the research. Is really, really out, outstanding. That's one of the, one thing David Hardy really wanted when he came to. He he knew in animal nutrition, if the big, uh, the big feed lots, the big ranches are gonna take your feed, you gotta have you gotta be able to show them a study. And um, so he came to human nutrition, and and uh, and that's the mindset he had. So um, one of the cool things about all this research, so there's the number of studies that have been done. They vary from case reports all the way up to double-blind studies, all the RCTs and and, and uh, case series and all the kinds of studies in between. And um, they're on a variety of topics. And one of the coolest things about it is they're all independent. So researchers have picked up this formula because they can research it, show efficacy, and get publications. That's what they live off, <laughs> academic publications. And... Um, and uh, and they also get a lot of satisfaction. These researchers report, you know, they they like not just publishing the papers. That's important for their career, but they like to see people actually get better. <laughs> and and so the combination of that is really compelling to these researchers. And they get their own funding. They apply to government agencies, to private organizations, aside from us, uh, you know, the formulators. And and all we do is supply the product. We, they set up the study designs. They do all the studies. So it's independent research on a variety of topics. And where this formula really seems to shine, at least where it's been most researched, and you know, not that it doesn't shine elsewhere, but this is where research funding has gone to, is neurological function. Across the board, it just seems incredibly capable. So as a monotherapy, just this formula. And so anxiety and stress, a lot of studies on that. And then we've got ADHD, attention and hyperactivity uh, outcome measures that are responding, autism spectrum. we got uh, mood lability, so things like bipolar disorder. So this is a neurological-based thing. Mood lability is, is, mm-hmm. is just smoothed out, and we get people with even mood taking this. And then we've got um, a, a bulk of studies on, on brain injury and uh, or, you know, physical trauma to the brain. That results in loss of function that 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 can be we can restore with this formula, and um, 
and it, what's really exciting about about all of this is in clinical practice there are other modalities that are, are already used in these areas and um, and there's a lot of exciting um, opportunity to combine the clinical neuroscience modalities with this foundational micronutrient base to get better results. That's excellent. Yeah, and, and again, thank you so much for sharing about the fact that the studies uh, and the research that's taking place for the, your, your guys' formulations you is know, independent. Because Freddie, what... so I should really tell one, one more, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, go ahead, please. The, the one study that really, for me, it really encapsulates everything because I really think mechanistically, like I say, as a biochemist, I'm thinking of molecules, I'm thinking of tissue structure. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure a lot of clinicians can relate, but the one study that really encapsulates this is a, is a, a rat study. So this is an animal model. model and, um, and in this model, the research model, what they do is they traumatize the rat's brains. They aspirate oh, out something. I remember they this. This is amazing. Suck, suck out some of the rat brain, right? When the rat's just first born, so in the first three days, rats are born quite premature. Uh, and, uh, and so the brain will recover somewhat as the rat grows. But this is the, this is the research model. So, so, so damage the rat's brain mm -hmm. right when it's born. And then you have this opportunity for the next six weeks or whatever, which is a, a, quite a bulk of the rat's lifespan, to, um, to grow this rat in different conditions, different environments, different food, mm -hmm. uh, different maternal care, whatever. And so this is, this is the research model, right? In this model, what they did is they damaged the, the frontal lobe of some rats. They dam damaged the parietal lobe of others. And then they have the control, obviously, that doesn't have any, any brain trauma. So severe loss of function and recovery of function is, is uh, very measurable. It spreads the, spreads the rats uh, really well so you can get measurable results. And with this... With this formula, this this very same neuro neurospectrum 360 formulation in the rat chow, okay. So so they mix it into the rat chow. The the regrowth of the frontal and parietal lobes was something the researchers hadn't hadn't seen before, um, especially because the regrowth was functional tissue. It wasn't scar tissue, and um, and the especially on frontal lobe tests, actually, in this in this uh, study, the rats performed just as well as the control group, and in some cases better. Uh, wasn't quite statistically significant, but but noticeably better um, on the tests of, of frontal lobe function than the control rats that had never had their brain sucked out. Like how crazy is that? You can suck out a rat's frontal lobe when it's just two days old and then grow it up with this micronutrient supplemented chow and it's a more capable rat than it's you know litter mates that didn't get their brain sucked out like that's crazy so i, I remember reading this as so this was one of the first things that brought um my attention to you guys this study blew me away it's just wild yep I mean, it's, yes. a, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And, you know, as somebody who uh, works with patients who have, uh, you know, have had brain injuries and neurological concomitants because of it, this is huge, absolutely huge. Yeah, you talk about neuroplasticity. Like, um, there's, there's function involved in that, which micronutrients are also involved in. And then there's, there's, uh, there's physiology. There's, there's structure involved yeah, in structure, that, too. Structure, exactly. 
And um, and that's what this study is getting at both, really. It measured both. They, they you know, after, at the end of the study, they cut open the rat, rat's brains and they looked at the 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 branching of the dendritic endings and they, there was noticeably more complexly branched, um, higher, longer dendritic endings in the rats that were supplemented. So there's some neurite outgrowth that was stimulated there that wasn't in the controls. And so physically, there's, there's a better system built. And then functionally, where, where micronutrients are also used, like I say, mostly as enzyme cofactors, and enzymes, they're, they're the workhorses of the, of the cell, right? So all these cofactors, these enzymes, that the enzymes rely upon, uh, you've got functional and, physio- and uh, physical, physiological structure, uh, both um, evidenced in this study that it's improving that. That's amazing. Oh, maybe I'll have to, uh, when we put this on the website, I'll have to link it up. Uh, to that specific study, because I think other people uh, will want to read more about it. Hey, let's let's talk. What are the other? What are clinicians? Uh, what are some other stories you can tell us that clinicians are seeing clinically when they're using such a formulation as Neurospectum 360? What are what are the clinicians happy about? What's going on out there? Yeah, one of the, the one of the common themes is is mood stability, um, and that's consistent with a lot of the research. Um, and then gain of you know. Lots of lots of gain of function. What clinicians will who who can use this product well in their practice as a foundation for you know nutritional foundation for all their other modalities, and we have um, we have practitioners. You know, I can think of one group in the Chicago area. These are clinical neuroscientists, and and they are using our products. We have I can think of another clinician similar sort of story. In Israel, he practices, and, and they they use this formula as the as the base for their as the nutritional base for their patients, and they report um, they report quicker outcomes, so so faster response to other modalities if they're using other modalities, um, they they report uh, more enduring outcomes, so their outcomes are persistent. They, when they get improvements, they stick. And and then just on this formulation alone, there are significant, you know, other modalities aside, there's ex- significant improvements to the patient's stress, anxiety, mood, attention, and th- their ability to function in their life is improved in so many ways. Um, you know, this translates over into, into the person's relationships and and uh, all those things that you know give satisfaction to a clinician when they improve somebody's life, and so job satisfaction. They report good job satisfaction. They report uh, more referrals. Um, these people, when they people when they get better, they'll tell their friends. <laughs> they'll tell their friends where to go to get the good to get the good stuff, right? And that's uh, the good treatment uh, is where the word of mouth referrals will go, and that. That saves advertising. You can get more patient turnover, more patients coming through the clinic um, with with no advertising costs. You just have to do your work. You just have to get people better. Right. That's beautiful. Hey, let's talk about dosing. Um, what are some general guidelines you can get for dosing for this formula? So, for example, what's like a, a therapeutic adult dose? And let's kind of talk about different age ranges because at Plasticity, for example, where I'm um, one, of the, one of the clinicians there, um, we have a large age range. I mean, we're dealing with you know very young patients all the way to senior citizens with different neurological conditions, and we do support them with neurospectrum. Uh, so I get approached with the question of how do I leverage this in my practice? But you are the expert. Share with us how how do what are the guidelines for this? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Let me unpack a few of the studies. So just looking at the doubly blinded studies alone, mm -hmm. um, dose ranges. So we have populations that have been studied in children and adults in double blind studies using this formula. And ages seven and up is basically what that covers between the adult and the children double blind studies. From ages seven and up, it's been 12 capsules per day. And here's, we could have talked about this, I guess, um, <laughs> when we were talking about the comparison with single multivitamins and the importance of a therapeutic dose, you know, instead of just getting the minimums to really optimize health, you need to go above that. And so 12 capsules per day of these really bioavailable nutrients and you, you get, uh, you get the results they're getting from the study. So that's, that's what you're looking at in, in really clinical, clinically severe populations. You're, you're using 12 capsules per day and, um, and that, uh, ages ages seven seven and up and how they would how they dose that it's really simple the products really well tolerated um, like we talked about earlier in, in regards to bowel tolerance it's really well tolerated all around and so it usually only takes four days if someone's really sensitive work up to 12 capsules it might take more than four days but for most people say you're dosing TID you can dose, dose TID or, or BID and the studies they've used TID so three three doses a day of four capsules is 12 and you would start with one capsule at each dose the first day. So one capsule three times a day. Then just add a capsule per day to each dose. So the second day you're taking two capsules three times a day. And then three capsules three times a day. And on the fourth day you're up to 12 capsules per day. And, and that's really well tolerated. Um, so really the biggest limitation when it comes to younger children is the ability to swallow capsules. Right. And, uh, and so, but, but if they can swallow capsules... You know, I like to think about it, um, although it's been researched in age, at age seven, I like to think of it just because it's even numbers, I push that up to eight. And I say eight and above 12 capsules per day, and then just decrease by four as you as you go down by two years. So, um, and again, there's no research studies in this range, but just anecdotally and from, from customer reports is what we see. Um, and and again, under clinician supervision, clinicians are exempt from all the, all the, um, the, limitations, upper level limitations. If they see a, a, a clinical need to indication to use more of any nutrient, they can exceed the Institute of Medicine's uh, ULs. The Institute of Medicine makes that really clear in their publications. So the, um, the uh, but but just general, so, so this is just a general recommendation, eight years and above or seven years and above, 12 capsules per day. And then six, when you're down to six years old, take it down to eight capsules, per day, four years old, four capsules per day, and below four years, less than four capsules. That's kind of the, the way that, uh, that I think of it. And that, that will, should give good results. And again, um, the results under clinician supervision trump, trump anything else, right? So you can go above that as, as you need. No, and thank you so much for giving those guidelines. It's a very, very common question. We answer that, I answer that on the phone and email all all the time but again it's always recommended to work with the uh your clinician and his recommendation or working with such a, a powerful product that has an opportunity to do so much good um yep. i know you guys are yeah, also it's hard to it's hard to gather sometimes the dosing from the studies right because you gotta get dig into the method section and right. it's only mentioned once or, or once or it might even be in the supplemental materials when they publish the article you know so it's it's really useful to just unpack the studies for people. I think can't they just put it in the summary for us? But they, I know never... why isn't the dosing in the abstract? They always focus on the outcomes. <laughs> um, I know you guys are actually working on a powdered version as well, right? Aren't you guys updating that? 
Yeah, and that that will be out uh, in the middle of next year, 2020. So, yeah, and I'm the guy for that. So, the powder. If you open the capsules, you <laughs> and taste them, you'll see what I'm up against. Uh, I mean, vitamins and minerals are not the most tasty things in the world. So it's it's uh, it's a lot of work to deliver a drink mix powder that that kids will love to drink. But it's in the works. It's actually the formula is at the manufacturer as we speak, and I'm in in. Uh, in uh, conversation with them about that, about ingredient sourcing and all the QA stuff and all, all that goes into manufacturing. So uh, we're really excited about that and, and we can deliver that in the middle of next year. So, Dallin, put, put me down for that because I, I want to be able to test that out with my patients right away. And, and I really mean it. I'm so excited about that because it's going to be really important. It's going to help a lot of people. Yeah, my little three-year-old loves it. Drink, drink a full dose in a, in a cup of uh, milk or water and uh, wants more. And that's... Uh, that's not easy to do. That's not easy to do. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Dallin, listen, I've really enjoyed this. I want to thank you very, very much for your time today. This was actually learned a lot. Um, and I hope you, other people kind of get open their, uh, have their eyes open to what a, a powerful micronutrient formula can do for their patients and their practice. If people want to learn more about you uh, and Hardy Nutritionals, as well as the Neurospectrum 360 micronutrient formula, where can they find you and learn more? Yeah, so hardynutritionals.com, um, Hardy, H-E-R-D-Y, uh, Nutrition, and then A-L-S, hardynutritionals.com, and then neurospectrum360.com. So um, I think that one's maybe easier to spell. Neurospectrum360.com, there's information on both of those sites and uh, and links to the studies and um, and to other other reference materials for clinicians. All right, excellent. Dallin, thank you so, so much. I look forward to the, the powder version of the formula. Guys, keep doing good work. You guys are changing the lives of patients all around the world and supporting doctors serve those patients. So you guys are helping tons and tons of people. We appreciate you. And, uh, and then we'll just have to catch everybody next time. All right, thanks for having me, Freddie. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to make any suggestions for any future podcast topics, please visit the Contact Us page on careinstitute.com.